Hey, my name is Nate. I'm the lead pastor here at Restoration Church. Third week of our series, Sinkholes. December 24th, Christmas Eve, 2016. A lady named Sue Abu and her husband awoke at 4 a.m. to the sound of loud popping. And um, it was not uh, gunshots. It wasn't the sound of firecrackers. It wasn't reindeer hooves um, uh, on the roof. It wasn't the sound of grandma cricking and cracking, getting their way to a midnight snack. The, what they woke up to and what they heard and what they discovered, it was the sound of their house falling into a sinkhole. And it was slowly beginning to fall and the house was breaking apart and that's what they woke up to. They didn't get out of bed right away, but when they got up later and they went out, they tried to go outside, all the exterior doors of their house were stuck shut because the house had twisted and contorted that the doors were shut. So they finally made their way outside, discovered what was going on, called the police, and they spent their holidays trying to get things out of their house before it could immediately collapse into a sinkhole. This series that we're talking about, Sinkholes, we're talking about this idea that there can be things going on inside of us, beneath the, the exterior of our lives, and those things can decay to such a point that it will cause an external disaster in our lives, that it will cause a sinkhole. And we can lose everything that we cherish, we can lose everything that we hold dear, and if we're not careful, we can um, get to the place where there's such destruction in our lives, there's not even a chance to rebuild. We don't want to wait and clean up the mess after there's been a sinkhole. What we want to do is try to take care of the things in our hearts before they get to the place where there's then an external collapse. And uh, so the first week we talked out of Romans 7, and then last week Pastor Andrew talked about our identity. And today the thing that we're talking about is uh, the thing that I want to focus on are the things within us that can cause sinkholes in our relationships. And that's not just our romantic relationships. Uh, these are any type of our relationship. This can be a relationship be between uh, a parent and their child or a child and their parent relationship, definitely between your spouse or, or boyfriend or girlfriend, but it could be a relationship with one of your best friends. And if you're not careful, the things that we're going to talk about can grow and can then cause a sinkhole or a collapse or destruction of those relationships. One of the things that I found and that I, I discovered when I was uh, preparing for this message, I was reading about uh, marriage couples, and um, one of the things I read was this psychologist was saying most couples that they've been able to study and identify they, when they discover that there's a problem in their marriage and in their relationship, they wait six years until they actually pursue help for that. So essentially, they wake up at four in the morning and they hear the house popping and cracking and they can identify, hey, something's not right here. And even when they go to leave, they had to pull the doors extra hard and they know something's not okay, but they just keep going on about their business and wait six more years until the damage has intensified before they decide to do something and act on something and try to correct or make a change. We don't want that. 
I don't want that for you. I hope you don't want that for yourself. But to today, kind of make a decision before we get much further into the message to say, God, I don't want that. I want you to work in my heart and work in my life to bring the change that you want, to bring the change necessary for me to live out the call you have on my life and for me not to destroy the relationships that I cherish the most. Uh, if you got your Bibles, open up to 1 Kings chapter 11. While you're looking that up, if you don't have a Bible, we definitely want you to have one. If you've got a phone, you can download the Bible app on your phone. But to, during these moments, to take out your Bible, to follow along, to write things down, and, um, and to allow God to speak to you through his word. When we spoke out of Romans 7 two weeks ago, we were reading the words of Paul where he said, I know the things I ought to do, but I don't do, but I don't do those things. And I know the things I shouldn't do, but those are the things I end up doing. And he, we talked about the things internal within us that cause us to do that. We know we want to serve God and follow God, but then we begin to live a way that's opposite to that. So as we talked about that, we... Um, we what I want to do is kind of take that, that idea a little bit further, and we look at someone that we're about to read in 1 Kings, and his name was Solomon. At this point, he was a king, and so they're writing about his life and his legacy. And Solomon is someone who lived out what Paul wrote about. He knew what he was supposed to do, but he didn't do it, and he knew what he shouldn't do, but he still did those things. And and probably he could be more guilty of that than the rest of us because one thing we know about Solomon is that he was a man of great wisdom. There was a moment in his life when he was just starting to begin to be, to be king and God spoke to him and said, hey, what is it that you would like? And I will give it to you. And he asked for wisdom and God poured out wisdom upon him. So Solomon wrote a couple of the books that are in the Bible and, and those books are called wisdom books. So when we read Solomon's writings, we read those to study and to learn and to gain from his wisdom and grow in our own wisdom. But yet Solomon, even with all his wisdom, even with all his knowledge, he still had this eternal decay, internal decay going on in his life, and he caused him to live and act contrary to the way he knew he should, and even the way he knew he wanted to. He didn't follow his own wisdom. In 1 Kings chapter 11, we'll start reading at verse number 1. It says, Now King Solomon loved many foreign women. Besides Pharaoh's daughter, he married women from Moab, Ammon, Edom, Sidon, and from among the Hittites. Stop right there. That's important because each of... Uh, these women from other nations, each of them served uh, and followed a different God. And King Solomon knew God. He, he spoke to God. God spoke to him. And he was called to be the leader of the people of God. It was going to be one nation that represented God to the world. And he was the leader of it. But yet now he's introducing and he's following and putting him and surrounding himself by uh, by wives who didn't believe the same and, and by other gods who, um, who were not God. So we continue reading. It says, 
the Lord clearly instructed the people of Israel, you must not marry them because they will turn your hearts toward their gods. Yet Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and in fact, they did turn his heart away from the Lord. In Solomon's old age, they turned his heart to worship other gods instead of being completely faithful to the Lord, his God, as his father David had been. In his heart, there was a moment he knew God and was going to pursue God and had a dream to honor God and to be as great of a king as his father had been, but then he slowly began to decay. And it was uh, at some point, it was a decision to pursue that first woman who did not know God and did not follow God. And from there, it began to grow and it began, and for him, it came to the point where there was collapse in his life. He, um, he, he's not, rem he's known for his wisdom, but he's not remembered for the way he lived his life. And in a few different areas of his life, he, he slowly began to do opposite of what God called him to do. His internal integrity was weakened, which then led to a sinkhole and it led to an external destruction. So from his life, what we see is when he died, his son Rehoboam was to be king. And when Rehoboam went to his coronation, where they were going to announce him as king, the nation of Israel was 12 tribes who came together to form one nation. And when Rehoboam was going to be king, 10 of the tribes decided they did not want Rehoboam to be their king. And so they, uh, they divided against the two other tribes. They started the northern kingdom, and they set their own king. So Solomon who is supposed to be the leader of God's people, begin to marry people from other religions and begin to follow other religions. And if you keep reading in that chapter, some of the, some of the gods that he introduced to the nation were, uh, were horrific. There was a god named Molech, and one of the ways that they, uh, that they would um, worship the god of Molech in ceremony was to sacrifice children. And Solomon is introducing and bringing this into his nation. So when Rehoboam is trying to be king, now the nation is separated. At different times, they would be at war with each other. And, um, and they were divided for, uh, for hundreds of years. And you could go back and argue that, well, it wasn't, it wasn't Solomon who did that, but it was. It was his decision to pursue that first lady outside of God's will. It was his decision to build his army outside of God's will. It was his decision to, to, to lead the people outside of God's will. And that slow, those small decisions that you think, oh, it's no big deal, led to these huge external consequences. So as we look at... Solomon, and he says, you know, and he said the most, one of the famous scriptures that we like to uh, read and share in church, he says, guard your heart, for out of it flows the wellspring of life. 
guard your heart for uh, out of your heart comes the direction of your life. And he wrote that, but he didn't live that. So we talk about relationships and things that are going on inside of us that can cause a collapse or a sinkhole in our relationships. We've got to guard what is inside of us. We have to protect it. We can't minimize it. We can't just say these things are no big deal. But we want to protect our relationships. We want to protect these relationships with the people we cherish most. We don't want to start slowly living and going a direction that's going to cause a collapse. So there's three things that I want to identify that can be uh, that can be going on internally that will cause a collapse in your relationships. So again, this is not just romantic relationships, but all kinds of the relationships you have that you want to keep. The first is, uh, and this was not going to sound like it's possible, but the first um, thing that can be going on internally that will lead to a sinkhole are secrets. You're keeping secrets from those people that you love. And they could be, sometimes you think like it's no big deal, they're, you know, there's no harm in keeping these secrets. It could be something like, one of your kids got in trouble and you're not telling your spouse about it. So you know and your kid knows, but you're not telling your spouse that it happened. You're keeping it a secret from them. It could be things that are much, things that happen with your friend. A friend, you know they've had an affair and they're not telling your spouse and you don't know what to do. You're holding that secret. It could be a habit that you picked back up and someone thinks that you you stopped doing this, but now you're doing it again. You're keeping it a secret because you don't want them to know that you've gotten back into it. Um, if you're a teenager, it could be a ticket that you got, a speeding ticket that you got, and you're not telling your parents that you got it. You think somehow when they get the insurance bill uh, next month and it's double the price, they won't notice and they'll just pay it regularly. You just think, you won't tell them, they won't figure it out. But the thing that we, the thing that I want you to know, and the thing that we, um, that we want to, that I want you to know is that when you're keeping secrets from other people, whether it's your spouse, your kids, your parents, or your friends, that has an effect on the relationship. That will bring a destruction to the relationship. But before we talk about that, you know what it'll do? Keeping secrets. Uh, begins to decay you eternally, I internally. It affects your health to be keeping secrets from these people that you cherish. Uh, a neurologist from the Cornwell Medical Center, he talks about how keeping secrets will lead to lock, uh, loss of sleep and then the side effects of that, which are irritability and uh, loss of patience. And, and so uh, you're keeping a secret, but now you're taking it out on people because um, you're not sleeping. But he also said this. He said that keeping secrets releases an excess of cortisol in your body. And that release of cortisol that is more than your body should be producing, it creates all kinds of other ailments. He says, including uh, increase or loss of appetite, a disruption of metabolism, uh, Spiked cortisol levels have been linked to weakened immune system, osteoporosis, increased blood pressure, and a loss of collagen in the skin, which could lead to deeper wrinkles or loss of elasticity. 
So to keep a secret and think, like, well, it's just mine. No one needs to know. It's no big deal. That's not mine to say. Um, but to keep that and hold on to that is affecting your physical health. There is an inter internal decay happening that can lead to a, a, a sinkhole of your physical health. But what happens with this? You're keeping a secret from, from a parent, from a friend, from a spouse, and then that secret is discovered. What does that do to that relationship? And it's not a secret that you confessed. It's a secret that was discovered. And what we think is, and the lie that we believe is that the pain of telling the secret will be worse than the pain of keeping the secret. But when you've been keeping a secret and it's discovered, the pain of that is always far worse. And even the pain of hiding the secret is far worse for your health than the pain of telling the secret. And when you are finally discovered that you've been keeping the secret, living this lie, in those moments it can be almost impossible to rebuild because now upon discovery of that secret, it's an immediate collapse of that structure and of that relationship. It's an immediate external collapse. And some people look at all the damage and they say, I don't want to rebuild this. And they walk away. When I was at the youth, Michelle and I were helping, we were leading a youth pastor's retreat this weekend. So Thursday, Friday, uh, Thursday, Friday night, we came home yesterday up till 3 a.m. Thursday night and Friday night, which is why I keep saying eternal, not internal. Um, I certainly did not have enough coffee this morning. But one of my friends, we were sharing at the table, they were talking, and he said, um, uh, one of his friends and their sibling did one of those DNA tests. You come, you, I don't know what you do, you swab your mouth with a Q-tip or a piece of beef jerky and you put it in the container, you send it back to the company and they do a DNA test. And so both siblings did it. And then, I don't know if they did it together or they just both did it, but when they got the results back, it was at that point as adults, they realized they did not have the same dad. So here is the secret. I don't know what the parents were thinking, keeping this a secret, thinking it will never know. We'll take this to our grave, except it was discovered. What does that do to their relationship with their parents? It affects it deeply. We cannot keep hiding these secrets that we have. If you want a chance to... Because maybe there is a secret you've been hiding for a long time. If you want a chance to keep those relationships, your best strategy, and maybe you need to confess this uh, in the presence of a hired professional counselor, but your best strategy toward keeping and reconciling that relationship is to tell them and confess that secret yourself, not wait until it's discovered. At that point, there could be a chance to keep the relationship from falling into a sinkhole. So what are you hiding? What are you deleting? What do you need to tell? Don't hold on to that secret. Second thing is this. Um, you can have unforgiveness going on internally 
And that unforgiveness will lead you to an external collapse. Because think about it this way. We're talking about, about people that we love and people that we want relationship with, but they can hurt us. And if you don't forgive them, how are you going to love them? If you don't forgive them for, for their mistakes or their sin or, or the wrong things that they've done, how are you going to move forward in that relationship? So this is a little bit different. So sometimes there's been deep abuse and deep trauma. You should forgive them. We'll talk about that in a second. But um, that doesn't mean you allow them to continue to have relationship with you. But if these are people, you need to forgive them. And it's your parent, it's your kid, it's your friend. Um, if you don't forgive them, that relationship is not going to move forward. It is going to come to a place of collapse and a place where it ends. And this can be all kind of... All kinds of different things that prop up and cause um, unforgiveness. You're a parent and you've got an adult kid, but that kid really ran you through the ringer when they were in your house. And maybe you had to kick them out because of how they were acting in the, in the house or, or just maybe the way they treated you. They were just whatever. All kinds of things. And so you have a little bit of unforgiveness in your heart toward that. And if, you, if you're not able to forgive them, there's going to be a loss of relationship. If you're not able to forgive them, there's going to be loss of relationship with great-grandchildren. There's going to be eventually a point where there's no longer conversation. There's no longer warmth. You have to forgive them. Maybe you're an adult, but you had a parent who was just preoccupied and they never had time for you. Now... They're retired and they have time, but you don't want a relationship with them because they never had time for you before. If you're not able to forgive them, you're not going to be able to receive from them what you always wished that you had. And sometimes we all have this. We have friends who are just inconsiderate. They do something stupid. They forget about something. They cancel on something. And it bothers us. It hurts us. And if we... Allow that unforgiveness to stay and to keep growing, it'll collapse that relationship. Sometimes it can be such a small thing that we don't deal with, and we keep piling on and piling on, and then we get to the point where even our lifelong friends, we walk away from them, and we don't want to be their friends anymore. These are real things that real sinkholes that relationships can fall into. You have the choice today, you have the choice anytime you're wronged to walk toward forgiveness or to walk toward bitterness. And you're going to cultivate one. You're going to keep thinking about what they did over and over again and grow in bitterness or you're going to forgive over and over again to the place where you're freed from that. And that could be uh, that could be 100 times a day. That could be 3,000 times a month. But I'm going to continue uh, walking through this and forgiving and allowing God to change my heart and to free me from this. And then certainly there are times when, we, um, when we've walked through um, trauma and those things that have happened, as we forgive the people who've hurt us, we're not allowing them back into our life, but to, but to keep 
our, our unforgiveness toward those people will affect our relationship with the people we love. Will affect, affect our relationship with our spouse, our friends, our kids. So we need to forgive that person, not for their benefit, but for our own. That we can have healthy relationships with the people that we should. The last, sink, the last thing that can be going on internally is selfishness. In a, in a marriage, this could be obvious. It's the dynamic of one spouse who is always giving and one spouse who is always taking. And this is common. And you might be in this. You might know someone who's in this. And uh, it's the selfishness of a spouse. It says, I always need to get and I never need to give. And what people communicate when they do this is, I care more about me than I care about you. I don't think we ever dare to say that um, in person. But we say that with how we act and how we, how we treat people. And what we want to do is not care less about ourselves than we care about other people, because that's not healthy either. But to care as much for other people as we care about ourselves. And if you're selfish, eventually there's not going to be people around you anymore. They'll figure it out. They'll leave. And in the book of Philippians, it says, don't look out for your own interests, but take interest in others too. This principle that we live by to guard against selfishness creeping up. And this lie that we believe about selfishness is, I need to keep score. They didn't do this for me, I'm not gonna do this for them. I did five things for them, they only did one thing for me. I did 20 things for them, they haven't done anything for me. And we're decaying internally, getting to the point where we're going to lose it, where the relationship's going to collapse. And that's not the way to live. We keep doing these things, keeping secrets, harboring unforgiveness, uh, living selfishly. We do these things thinking that they help us, but... They're decaying us from the inside. And the healthy way to live, and the way to live that's not going to cause a sinkhole is to live with honesty, to live with forgiveness, honesty, talking about the things in our life, not keeping things secret, forgiveness and offering forgiveness to those people who have, who have wronged us, and then service, not thinking only about our own needs, but trying to offer and help other people. And living this way is a foundation that, that increases the joy of relationships instead of bringing, it's like the landscaping around the house, not the sinkhole that the house is falling into. Now these same things, secrets, unforgiveness, and selfishness, not only will they cause a sinkhole in our relationships with each other, they also will cause a, a sinkhole in our relationship with God. We are hiding things from him. We don't want to confess our sin to him because we know then we'll have to confess it to other people. We, so we just, we call it a mistake. We call it a habit. We call it something other than sin. We say, hey, me and God, we're okay. And we won't listen to him. We won't let him speak to us about these things. We have unforgiveness. We don't ask. Uh, and, and, we're, and so here's what we do. Instead of keeping secrets, um, instead of being in a place where we're not forgiven by God, instead of 
uh, living according to our own desires, we, we go to him and we're honest to him about our sin. Here's what I'm tempted by. Here's how I'm sinning. Here's, here's what's going on in my life. Here's why I'm drawn toward this. Here's why I like this. Here's why I don't want to give it up. We're honest to him about what's going on inside of us. And then we ask him to forgive us. Hey, could you change my heart? Could you wash my sin away? And then we allow him to serve us. And he serves us through his death on the cross and his resurrection and, and through his transformation in our life. And we say, you know, what we tend to say is, I, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve you working in my life. But we say, but I'll let, I'll let you change me. Move in my heart. Move in my life. And Jesus does what he promised in Scripture. Ezekiel chapter 36, 26. It says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And God says, listen, as you, as you pursue me, as you lay out your life before me, I will do a work in t inside of you. I will change that limestone heart that's inside of you that's going to erode and decay and cause a sinkhole. And I'm going to fill it with the presence of God and a transformed heart. I'm going to do the repair work in your life that keeps you from from creating sinkholes in your life. If you'll close your eyes and bow your head, I just want to take a moment and pray for you. And then we're going to have some, uh, some baptisms. Jesus, we, we sit in these services sometimes and it feels so heavy. We're, you know, with so many things going through our minds, so many things we're, we're feeling like, oh, maybe I, I shouldn't do this and may, maybe God won't forgive me and just all these things going on. But Jesus, we... Thank you for the promise in Scripture that if we ask you to, you forgive us. When we confess our sins to you, you're not shocked by it or angry at us, but you offer us forgiveness. Then you serve us through the cross. You serve us by ministering to us through your Holy Spirit. You serve us by healing our heart. You serve us by transforming us from the interior of our life. We thank you for that, Jesus. I pray for everyone in here who's never made the decision to follow you. They're just worried about anything they'd have to give up. I pray right now they make a decision to follow you because of who you are and what you want to do in their life. And they make that decision now in Jesus' name. Lord, I just pray that for us and every, for myself and for every single one of us, man, we won't keep secrets from you. And stay in a place of where we aren't forgiven by you, but we be honest and confess and be forgiven. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.